Hi, everybody. My name is Benton. I'm the founder and CEO of MTech, and we are based in Kenya. I am very passionate about the disruption of the insurtech space, and together with our model MTech, we are actually serving insurance platform and also white labor solutions for the industry. Please keep on listening to InsurTech Business Series podcast, and I hope to see all of you at the conference in December. Welcome to the InsurTech Business Series podcast. I am Fudumi. And I am Gamola. And together, we host the most exciting podcast on insurance and insurtech-related topics in Africa. Stay tuned. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another interesting edition of InsurTech Business Series podcast. We reach out to industry thought leaders and uh, innovators within the space to see how we can learn about what's possible uh, when you look at insurance innovation. And today, I mean, we are we're within the African continent and uh, we're in Kenya speaking with an amazing woman who is pioneering a, a lot of amazing things within the insurance technology space. I don't think I can do justice to this introduction. So let me leave it to her. Hi, Bente. Hi, everybody. And thank you for having me. And I know we are talking from Kenya to West Africa, yeah? Yes, yes. And, and so we are, we are basically talking cross-continent. It's uh, yeah. <laughs> always good. It's also always interesting to have a discussion in the, in the kind of different dynamics yeah. in different markets. So I'm very happy to be here today. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, I mean, before we go into it, uh, congratulations on the recent raise. Uh, super exciting one for the insurtech space, uh, insurtech ecosystem in Africa. Yeah, it has been a long journey coming. Um, we were lucky enough that we actually were able to push our seed round. This is our seed round. Uh, we raised roughly $3 million in, in, in a mm. seed round. And we were lucky as a company and with our original shareholders, so to say, to push the seed round after an MVP, after proof of concept, etc. But uh, mm-hmm. we closed, I think, two to three months ago. And wow. while I'm really appreciating all the congratulations, I'm always saying the work starts now, isn't it? And the storytelling is over, which we are all so much enjoying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the work starts now. And uh, we are actually super yeah. excited. The whole team is super excited. We are very happy also with the partners we are having um, as Finclusion, who are based in South Africa. Uh, we know them for quite some time. We have already done some work with them in mm. different markets. Um, so there's a lot of trust and a lot of partnership spirit. And yeah, we can't, we have already started putting the money to work in the last, uh, let's say two months. And yeah, I think the next couple of months until the series A is going to be very exciting. Although I'm also a little bit skeptical sometimes, you know, as a tech company, you should not always think from series to series. Yeah. I saw, I don't know if you saw the recent announcement also of Lemonade. We really have to to move quickly to bring benefits to the client and also make entities profitable. Yeah. Mm. So let's not always think from serious to serious. Yeah. And let's also think about building a sustainable business. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I think we are all aligned in that mindset, which is good. We'll talk about what you're doing at, at MTech. It'd be interesting to hear if you're actually lucky or this is just some amazing work. Right. Yeah. But before that, who, who is Bente? How did you get into this? boring area called insurance. <laughs> you call it boring. I'm always calling it the most unsexy industry in the world. That's what I start all my discussions <laughs> with. Uh, no, like you're saying, I'm Bente. Born and raised in a small, small, small village in Germany, in the north of Germany, near Hamburg. Um, and the village has, I think today, around 350 people. So I'm a countryside girl and by nature. Then finished, obviously, my school. I studied um, in cooperation in Germany. You know, you're doing dual studies. So you're studying and while you're studying, you have the opportunity to already work with companies in the field of your studies. So I studied international business, marketing, etc. And then I worked with a company called Achilles, who is concentrating on project business in East Africa. After I finished my studies, I got the opportunity to work for them initially for two years 
uh, on projects in Tanzania, Dar es Salaam and Kigali, Rwanda, a really in project management. Like at that time, I was mainly involved in building hospitals for uh, World Bank, uh, etc. So it was really project management, uh, logistics, etc. And out of these two years, became a couple of more years. And then after, but after the two years, I actually moved to Kenya pretty quickly and got involved into a partner company that brought me to Kenya. And then I built my first venture, which is today, I think the biggest car wash chain in East Africa uh, called Extreme Clean. And um, why I did that was I was looking at a business model. I'm coming from a middle-class family, so I didn't have like money to sponsor people or to donate now a massive amount of uh, money. But I was also the kind of person who said, how can we create business opportunity for the less fortunate and so that it's sustainable? So I was really looking, okay, how can I create employment? And for me, car wash was actually an obvious, obvious chance. You know, you can employ a lot of people, you give them a regular income, etc. So I partnered, um, I approached Kercher, which is a German cleaning, pressure washer, vacuums. And um, I approached another friend who's actually owning one of the biggest shopping malls in Nairobi. I said, okay, I want to open a car wash. And can you give me for a better price some vacuum cleaners and some pressure washer? It was very Juakali, yeah, at the beginning. But out of that, I built a business. I think there are by now 20-something locations. I'm no longer involved in the day-to-day there. Uh, but then in 20, 2015, 2017, my today husband formed Hillcroft Technologies. And in 2017, 2018, then we decided to go into hey, there is an opportunity in insurance. Yeah, There's a gap, there's a problem. How can we help? And I'm really saying help solving it with technology. Little did I know what I put myself into, but this was really um, the, the journey to insurance. So we had a tech company. We solved other problems with the tech company. Like we would build any kind of technology products various companies would need. But then really like in 2017, around 2017, we said, okay, is a problem and or challenge you know today you're no longer allowed to say problem you know it sounds too harsh i was told so there is a challenge in the insurance ecosystem how can we use tech to solve that if i would have known what i'm putting myself into would i have done it again i don't know but uh, now we are on the journey and now we are walking isn't it yeah. Um, I know Damola already congratulated you, but again, congratulations. That's a very big feat. Right. So asking you about the technology, has there been any challenge with having to have upgraded the technology at any point in time? I'm asking this because we had the coronavirus and pandemic and did that in any way impact or influence the technology that you then are designed for insurance? It's a very good question. So I overall think that COVID-19, that the crisis continues to have a significant impact on not only individuals and businesses, but also on society and the wider economy across the globe, not only in Africa, across the globe. It has really changed how businesses are doing business and how people are are receiving business products, etc. So I think to survive within this changing world, two things are very important. One is operational resilience. Yeah, you need to be really operationally strong. I truly believe that tech is an enabler for that. And the other one is service delivery. It should be the overall focus of every industry player. Now, when you're having a critical mass of clients, service delivery without tech becomes a challenge, right? You can have a very good service delivery manually driven with 10 people, yeah, with 10 clients. But let's say you have 1,000 clients, 10,000 clients. It becomes a true challenge. We, We have all seen it. We all know it. So now going back to that being the overall focus and why I truly believe that insurance innovation is a real benefit to also live with that changing environment. I think the manual nature of certain processes and capabilities have to be ensure that they have the ability to respond to the crisis. Yeah. So we need to take the processes which we had in the manual function and put this into technology. Sorting this can be tasked to technology innovation and surely innovation plays a significant role to also handle this crisis. But I'm never shy to say we are not that golden bullet everybody is looking for. Yeah. Um, We can't do it alone, but it is an enabler. And I think that COVID-19 has 
accelerated the growth of intro techs across the globe. I mean, you probably have more data about that, but mm-hmm. I'm sure you have seen it getting more responses in the markets and from underwriters, from reinsurers, that it has simply accelerated the acceptance of technology within the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Valid, valid point there. Uh, definitely, there's been there's been a, a lot of growth, and you're talking about technology innovation within the space. So the word insure tech, you know, has has always been there even before COVID. But you know, with COVID, it was amplified, right? And then there were conversations around insure techs have come to disrupt the insurance industry. A lot of people said disruption is a strong word, but what was generally understood and is generally understood today is there's an end to the way we do insurance. COVID really marks the end of how we know insurance to be. How would you describe InsurTech, especially from the African point of view? Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Adebo Ali Banjo. I'm co-founder, CEO at MyCover.ai, and we are building Africa's digital insurance infrastructure. For the latest news on insurance technology in Africa, keep listening to InsurTech Business Series and stay updated. That's a very difficult question, actually, isn't it? Because InsurTech is just so multi-layered. Um, when I started in that space, and like you heard from my introduction, I'm neither an insurance person nor am I a technology. I'm not a coder. I'm not a developer. I'm not a data scientist. So I'm really coming from outside uh, and looking into that amazing InsurTech field. So for me, InsurTech refers to technology innovations, which are being created to improve efficiency and um, for the whole industry. So there's different kind, And even when you're looking at the ecosystem here in Africa at the moment, we have players who are targeting the end client, end consumer. Then you have players who are, in, and maybe we go into that a little bit later, who are targeting more underwriter efficiencies. And we have players who are working on API integrations or embedded insurance. So InsurTech as a whole, very multi-layered, but I think in a lump sum, these are really technology innovations which are created to improve the efficiency of the ecosystem as as a whole. Yeah, uh, and for me, that really power like creation, distribution, administration of the insurance business. And I am going to repeat this a probably probably a hundred thousand times um, today. I really do think it is important to point out that Intrutic is an enabler. Mm. but not that mm. standalone magic, like I said, magic bullet disruptor who can do it alone. Yeah, And and the reason being is we are in a regulated industry. There's a lot of big partners in the industry. So uh, InsurTech can really show ecosystem players, existing ecosystem players, what is possible with new innovations and push the ecosystem. But we, we can't push them away. Yeah. We need to push them with us. And I think that really needs to be their spirit as an ecosystem to really have a sustainable benefit for clients. Absolutely. And, and I echo the same sentiment, right? It's an enabler. We spoke with Eunice Miner, founder of uh, Bismart, and mm-hmm. she said something uh, that all of this innovation and technology that we are using or, in, or uh, taking advantage of, how much is it? moving the middle in terms of penetration and getting to provide protection to those who are excluded, those low-income customers, right? And it's quite valid because some of this technology and innovation that we are uh, taking advantage of, they need to relate to our reality as Africans and not just as Africans, but, you know, different markets have different realities. It has to relate to our reality. True. Just looking at like your point around the low level of penetration from your experience so far, you know, doing, we'll go into what, what you are doing currently at MTech, but from your experience, what you've learned, what's, what's the best approach to taking advantage of technology and innovation in order to grow the space? I mean, the most obvious one is obviously distribution, yeah, uh, where, where technology and, and innovation can really be the helping hand. Um, 
I, I can put this a little bit into the East African context. When you're doing yeah. some research, around 90% of the market player, and now here in Kenya, we do this as sample case. Kenya now, we're having as a market distributor of products, we're having agents, brokers, and the underwriter itself, right? And it's really divided. 30% of premiums are distributed by agents, 30 by brokers, the rest by the underwriters. So it's very equal. But most of the 90% are all kind of bundled around the capitals. So here in Kenya, you will find 90% of the market player in Nairobi. In Rwanda, you find them in Kigali, in Tanzania, in Dar es Salaam, in Uganda, in, in that area, Kampala and Tenno. I don't need to be a data scientist to tell you that the counties are underserved. When I'm looking at the population, now you can say, ah, but the business is in the capitals. True, but not 90%. Not 90% of the GDP is generated in the capital. So it leaves really the counties underserved or, or it leaves people in the counties with a lot of inconvenience to not only obtain their insurance um, product, but also get knowledge about it and manage it, which is equally important. You know, as Intratex, we are always talking around how do we get clients to buy. This is only half the battle. Yeah, getting a client to buy a policy is maybe 30% of what we have to do. We need to educate the clients what is really the right product for you and just for the two of you. I'm sure, Damola, you have completely different requirements, for example, for your medical than for Lumi. Yeah. Only as me, yeah, I'm having a daughter, I'm having a husband, I have different requirements. And data also shows here in East Africa, people are not getting the right policies for what their individual requirements are. So mm. forget about distribution there, but, but let's talk about knowledge transfer to the counties, yeah, mm. to people living in, in, in Eldoret, in Kisumu, in, in, and I'm not saying there's nobody but it is underserved. And then finally, also managing the policy. So I really think technology can help there. Distribution mm -hmm. in terms of knowledge transfer, mm -hmm. yes, purchasing, but also managing and editing the policy. Secondly, I really think innovation technology can assist in data. And now data is always a big word. You know, investors like when you're saying, you know, I'm not an intratech, I'm a data company. You know, these are <laughs> the words investors want to hear in 2022. So um, obviously data helps in understanding clients and understanding client behavior. And, and the good data infrastructure is not just gold, is diamonds. Yeah, we all know that. Let's not make a secret out of that. So I really think that through the use of the data we are having, we can not only for ourselves upsell and cross-sell, yeah, when you want to speak about economics, but we can also use this data to develop better products. We can really go back to underwriters and reinsurers and say, okay, these are the data points we are having. This is the market we are seeing. This is what we have to do. And it is not about Bentley waking up in the morning and making some clever decisions. This is really black and white when it comes to Data analytics, yeah? Data very much clears you what you have to do to create a better proposition to the consumer. And this is, I think, what we all should strive about. And then the last thing where I really think we can, we can help as innovators, as disruptors, as technology players is the generation of trust. It is unbelievable how much mistrust yeah, there is in the industry. And it would be interesting, is that the same in Nigeria? Like yes, the underwriter absolutely. doesn't trust anybody and the client doesn't trust the <laughs> underwriter. Yeah. You know, if you are married, yeah, you would have already been divorced at that level of trust, <laughs> I think. You, so, so you sometimes wonder, how are we even still working together? There is so much mistrust in this industry. It sometimes blows my mind. And again, it is an industry effort. And it is at the end of the day, trust is about having a clear understanding what needs to be done from both sides. Yeah. And then actually doing it. This is what trust is about. You know, there is no, no, I'm always running my businesses. You know, it is never as complicated as it sounds. So technology, we all know, can lead the way in trust generation. You're all trusting an Uber driver probably more than a taxi driver you are just meeting on the road. Yeah. Why? Because the supportive technology gives you the feeling of having control and gives you transparency. You're renting out your apartment to people through Airbnb you have never seen, will probably never meet, etc. Again, why? Technology puts control into your hands and gives you transparency. 
And the same we are also doing in Introtech, at least us as M-Tech. And like I said, there's different player with different strength. But for us as M-Tech, it is really putting that transparency, that trust, that knowledge transfer, that purchasing journey as well. And But then also the management into the hands of the client yeah, and connecting it visibly to the underwriter through APIs. And we really see that clients love it, yeah, that they can see their policy. They, If they have to submit a claim, they know what is expected from them. There is no funny surprises at the end. After three weeks, somebody comes back and says, oh, you forgot to give us this report from the police after a car accident or this medical report from the doctor. It is very in the open what is expected. That was just one example. And through that, the trust is growing and growing and growing. Having said that, that's a very long-term shot. We are not going to create a trustworthy environment within weeks. Yeah, And what has been destroyed for years will not be repaired within a couple of weeks. But I think we are doing our small baby steps to contribute. Yes, you're absolutely right. One of the issues that we've known or we've come to accept is the trust issues. And the irony is the fact that insurance is actually a trust business because it's it's largely built on utmost good faith and having that trust issue really of course has impacted our, our business and our business models for a very long time so yes um, you're absolutely correct okay coming back to you bente and specifically to mtech how how exactly did mtech come to be like what what data perhaps informed this particular venture so how we started and, and what we based this business on was basically the fact that here in Kenya, and, and it's a data point we are seeing, I think, all across most of the African um, countries, um, with the two point something percent insurance penetration, which is showing us an obvious lack, uh, which made us understand that there is a financial opportunity, yes, but equally important as social responsibility. Now, I, I said previously, I grew up in Germany. In Germany, most of the people are insured through the government. There's nobody being turned away from a hospital, from a doctor, etc. And while I fully understand you can't compare Germany to East Africa, I think there is a social responsibility for us to understand how can we create this parachute of when the unexpected happens, you, you have that parachute which catches you. So our decision to go into this business was, yes, 2.6%, 2.7, maybe 3, depending on the, on, the, on, the, on the group we are looking at or at the policy we are looking at, is low. More than 2 point something percent of, of the Kenyans, the Tanzanians, the, I'm speaking East African content, have the means to obtain an insurance policy, even on a micro level or especially on a micro level. And then secondly, uh, we really see it as, as also social responsibility. How can we make it accessible? a wider range of people. So having seen that, and I said this a little bit before, what I have known, what I'm putting myself into, you know, I honestly, <laughs> very blue eyed, yeah? We're going to build a technology, we're going to distribute, yeah. we're integrating underwriters, we're going to distribute products, yeah. boom, we're having a unicorn, yeah? <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's not that easy. I think the first challenge we had was really getting underwriters mm. on the platform. So, um, because... As much as we talked about transparency before, certain market players don't enjoy transparency as much as we do. So um, I think we are the only tech here who are having 35 underwriters on the platform. And I was asked then to why is that so important by my shareholders? I said, because clients do want choice. I'm very sure that Puma and Adidas in America are selling more through their marketplaces like Amazon, for example, than actually on their in-house online shops. And why is that? Because while you might always end up buying a Nike t-shirt, you still like that human nature feeling of browsing around a little bit, comparing. Well, you might still end up with your original choice, by the way. So I said, we really need to have that feeling of choice. And this is why from the 40 underwriters in Kenya, we're having 35 on the platform wow. directly integrated to them via APIs into the backend system. Mm. Then the next thing was, which we really quickly realized, well, we cannot only have motor insurance. Okay. Everybody speaks about motor, 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 and I understand that. Numbers and business tells you motor is the only mandatory um, policy. That's all jump at motor. You enter the industry with motor insurance? 
we started with Motor and after two months, I also said, this is not working. And I told my um, tech director, who's also a partner in the business, I said, we need to go multi-tenant. Mm. Yeah, multi-tenant in, in, in the way of having a lot of underwriters mm. to choice, but also multi-tenant in the way of policy. Policies. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, we're always talking in tech about scrum rate, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you, you're an investor, if yeah. you want to invest into MTech, the third mm -hmm. question they're going to ask is, Benza, how is your scrum rate? Yeah. <laughs> if I'm only selling or distributing motor insurance, mm. firstly, my addressable market comes significantly down. Yes. Isn't it? Mm -hmm. Because uh, only a small portion of people are driving cars. Mm. Secondly, how often do you need to manage your motor policy? Mm. If you're lucky only once a year and that's a renewal, a renewal on MTech on your motor insurance takes you, I think, 20 seconds. So I will be the first app you're going to delete yeah, <laughs> after three months because you're not using it. So really from a business sense, it doesn't make sense. So we introduced very early, I think, uh, medical... PA, golf insurance, and we do the whole general insurance scope by now, wow. plus life. Okay. So we are really true to our promise of being a one-stop shop for your insurance needs. And you don't just need to place the policy with one underwriter. You can place it with several underwriters. You can have your PA with the Britain, your life insurance with Sunlam, your medical insurance with medicine. Yeah. But you can treat it as your management tool. Mm. And these were a couple of learnings and how it started. Mm. So it really started with the fact there's an opportunity on two things, business and social. But then really, we came to understand very quickly that it is about getting the right product, fitting your needs, having a choice of products. And then really one thing is also important is affordability. Here in the region, we have a regulation by the regulator, which is cash and carry. So you need to pay 100% of your insurance premium at the time of placement for most of the people. Now you can tell me, oh, but Bente, there's banks, IPF. With all the Jewish banks to all the bank CEOs who are going to listen now, bank, I, I love all of you. But banks are normally not really interested to especially finance any ticket size below $500 to $1,000 because the operational and management cost is just too high for the profits they can make. Yeah. So, And then you're also losing a client when you're saying, okay, I have a policy for you now. Follow me. Your policy, your medical this year is $250. So follow me says, I can afford that over the year, but eh, in one go, no way. So I'm saying to you as a traditional partner, I say, no problem, follow me. Please go to Bank X yeah, and apply for IPF. Two challenges. Bank X is actually not going to be very happy in financing $250. Um, problem number B is I'm going to lose follow me on that journey because she's going to tell, she's going to, you know, insurance is nothing where you're waking up in the morning and you're being excited to buy it. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's be honest about that. So she's going to say, okay, let me do that next week when I have time. And then next week comes and then the week I lost you. So we have actually raised funding where we are financing policies up to daily payments. Mm. And this really comes back, um, uh, Damona, to what you said before, we need to find solutions which working here. Yeah, People are earning. It's an economy which a lot of times earns daily, weekly, monthly. So we can't charge annual. And so we have an integrated payment system, which is allowing clients to pay daily, weekly, monthly in a very flexible manner. And I can tell you today that more than 70% of our policies are being financed. And, we are, and this is also where tech can help. We are obviously integrated with credit rating agencies, yeah, which push back based on the idea credit rating. Um, and based on that, the funding is being set free. But you really see that the solution as MTech has grown from just being a distributor into using data to make the industry more efficient, but also finding solutions around the other problems the end clients are having. Wow, wow. And I really want to say we are client focused. Mm -hmm. Yeah. However, by being client focused, I need to ensure that the rest of the ecosystem is efficient because mm -hmm. otherwise the benefit will not reach the client. Hi, I'm Dr. Neto, founder and CEO of Wella Health, where we're working on affordable access to healthcare using technology and alternative care pathways, microinsurance being central to our work. I'm delighted to be on a chat on InsurTech Business Series, where we talk about some of the stuff we're learning at Wella Health 
and how we can improve insurance adoption across Nigeria and Africa. Enjoy. Quite interesting thing that that I was constant in, in when you were speaking was, I think th- th- there is that focus or genuine interest in the customer experience. So when you come to talk about insurance, really, you know, we mentioned earlier that it's, it's not sexy. Insurance is not something you wake up in the morning to you want to buy. So the experience uh, that people have had with insurance has not been the most exciting one, right? So I think that that's another way that technology innovation can play a role, you know, as an insure tech or as a tech company who is helping insurers or incumbents to create a better experience uh, with customers. Uh, and that's, that's quite interesting. That's, that also talks about, you know, creating solutions that relate to our reality. But I want to ask about the other part that makes this possible. That's, you know, relationship with this insurer. You talk about, you know, having 35 uh, insurers on your platform today. That's huge, right? How are you able to navigate some of these relationships, partnerships? You know, partnership uh, is not something that insurance is has always been open to. Same same challenges even here, you know, in Nigeria, and I think even across uh, different markets across Africa. That relationship with insurers, because insurance has been done in a certain way, right? Yes, COVID has come, but some of these insurers don't actually understand this reality yet, so they are slower to take decisions compared to the startup who wants to, you talked about starting off with Moto and you had to change after two months to do something different. An insurer cannot, <laughs> cannot move that way, right? Uh, so how, how are you able to manage or you navigate some of these kind of relationships with insurers and all of the ecosystem players that you work with? Maybe I do one step back. Uh, like I said before, we started as a tech company and um then, like I said, we, we ventured into Intratech in 2017, 2018, somewhere around there. And our first business model, and this is also the, the beauty about startups, you're very agile, like you rightfully mentioned, was building wide label solutions, API integrations for industry player. And I came to realize at that time when we were marketing it. So in, in short, maybe let me explain what that is. And we still are doing that today. A bank, an underwriter, a big broker would come to us, to MTech and say, I need technology tools and, and they're very wide and to be more efficient, either in distribution operations, you name it. And we still do that, more efficient underwriting data, the whole bucket. And it is still a significant part of our business, actually. So when we did that, and the first two years until 2019, we were pretty much focused on that. I saw that really every industry player here in East Africa understands that they have to go digital, that they have to go technology. You know, every boardroom you would come in, every board meeting, digital innovation. And you know, they have so fancy titles. I'm sometimes impressed. Yeah. And they have innovation teams, digital factory, you name it. I I mean, they spend a lot of times on naming their teams and team player. And there's great teams out there. Then when I worked with them and we did amazing projects, there is so sharp people in the insurance industry. It is unbelievable. 100,000 times sharper, more intelligent than what I will ever be. But they're obviously being held back by a legacy business, right? It is, there's still this part where most of the underwriters and banks who are driving the business, let's face it, are like, Yes, this is cool. And, and yeah, we understand that this is nice, but ah, this is a little over the top, isn't it? For example. And this is when we decided to actually open an insurance brokerage, create a platform and go directly to the client. Not because we wanted to compete with, with them, but because we wanted to show what's possible. Because I was also a little bit sick and tired about sitting in boardrooms and explaining to people, hey, Technology innovation is great. Um, it's going to change your business for the better. You know, there's always something in, in terms of, and I did a LinkedIn post about this. You know, you're learning a lot by doing and you're learning a lot by showcasing. We just launched a free PA cover uh, for everybody who downloads MTech because, and I love it for that. And thankfully, I got my partner, Britain, on board to do this because I said people have to start enjoying insurance to appreciate it. Yeah. So we give them a PA cover 
to experience it. And the same we also did with the brokerage. It really was at the beginning, I said, okay, I went to my shareholders and said, we're having this business model of being a technology company and we're still doing that. But now let's build a platform where we are getting the clients who want choice, who want compassion, who want to be um, knowledge transferred a little bit overall. And then let's also use that as a, as a case to prove to the industry as a such that people are going to buy a medical insurance on an app. You know, I was always told that uh, you know, people are not going to buy medical, it's an emotional product, yeah. you know, things like yeah. that. They're only going to buy motor. Today, 40% of my business is medical. Mm, wow. Um, so mm. this was the two reasons why we really also went from still being a tech company, yes, and we're still doing that. And I have really amazing partners and I don't want to point one out, but there is amazing partners out there. But then also really using the brokerage to prove a point. And this has opened us a lot of doors and all of our partners, interestingly, who are working with us on the tech side, Mm. love to be on the platform as well. They have understood that this is not a competition. Yeah. They can only win on both sides. And this is, I think the strength of our tech, it's not lip service. It is really, they're seeing it works. They're seeing the ease of doing it. This is also then making stakeholder management a little bit easier. Yeah. I remember when I started that approach and it was a BD approach. Yeah. You go into the underwriters and say, hi, I'm Benta. I'm a not from the insurance industry and I'm also not a tech person, but you know, I have this amazing idea to put your products on my app. Thankfully, I had a MVP, yeah, to show something, but it 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 was bootstrapping, yeah. Um, and I have an amazing tech team, and really, my shout goes out to them who who always have my back that the things I'm talking are actually going to work. Unfortunately, a lot of industry feedback you are getting is also they have been burned. I don't know if I should say that by technology providers. And that made it easier for me to not only gain a relationship, which is actually easier. You know, falling in love is easy. Staying in love is a very difficult thing. (laughs) When my husband is going to hear that, he's going to say to me, what are you talking about? Um, But it's true. Yeah. When you're thinking about it, you know, the first couple of days, States as all is rosy, yeah? Everybody loves each other. And then after some time, um, and, and I think that we are still having 35 underwriters two years down the line, that they're sticking with us, that they're happy with us, that they're increasing their products on our platform. That's amazing. And that's credit not to me, that's credit to the tech team who are giving a value add. And then also to our clients who are buying ultimately, yeah? Because at the end of the day, it's about facts and figures and not about the story Bent is telling in a boardroom. Okay, so I know you talked about partnerships here. Are are you looking to extend that partnership to some other parts of Africa? Yes, so... um, I mean, of course, outside outside Kenya. So our white label, our tech company, is already all around Africa. So we are having partners really all around Africa who are providing technology solutions to the industry whether it's banks, underwriters, big brokers, these are the main three buckets we are looking at. So optimization of the bank assurance offerings for bank, uh, white label solutions for underwriters, distribution tools for brokers yeah, in all over Africa. In terms of our brokerage and our platform business, um, we are, and this is also um, the investment we just raised, um, has obviously a go-to-market strategy. And it is mainly meant for go-to-market. Two things I'm always saying. One thing to use the money for was always to pay my team what they deserve. Yeah, they have really sticked with me through not so rosy times. So I'm very happy to pay them a market salary, which is fair. But then really the bulk of the money is going into go-to-market. And go-to-market is we have been appointed as a Google partner just recently as one of um, three East African countries. So congratulations! Um, we're re- really working on that. Um, we're launching... We're launching that 1st of September. So it's very exciting for me. Um, and Google is the data you're getting uh, for yeah. is, is, is absolutely amazing. So there's some cool times ahead. Um, but then it's um, in terms of expansion, it's, it's local expansion. And we already opened satellite offices in Kenya for our brokerage, which are not being used to sell, but which are used for our agent network. And maybe there's one thing I should point out. We're having 1,300 or 400 agents who are using MTech to generate an income. 
So they are working as a lead generator. And if the lead um, results into a sale, they're getting commission. And it is really awesome to see how many people we enabled with this and gave them really the opportunity to earn, earn cash. Yeah, and instant cash. So these centers are being used to further professionalize them, give them a space to work from, train people, meet people, etc. So this is our local expansion. But now I think what you were targeting to was country expansion on our platform. You see, and I'm sometimes a little bit too honest about my opinions, yeah? And and I hope you you forgive me that. But tech is a very, very interesting field to be in. And if I'm looking, and I said this before now, for potential Series A, which we are looking for the next, let's say, 18 months, yeah, 12 to 18, you're probably going to tell me, you're going to advise me and say, Benta, you need to open MTech in Nigeria, South Africa, and somewhere in North <laughs> Africa, isn't it? You need to yeah, be all over, the, all over the continent. And so I sometimes think it is good that I'm not a tech person because I'm a little bit like old school. Yeah, combining that with tech and I'm saying, let's do what we're doing and let's do it right. And um, I think our country expansion focus will be in East Africa. So we are looking to open Tanzania in the, still this year, uh, Q4. I hope we can get that done in November. We are just waiting, you know, because we need, um, we are regulated. So we need our certificates our brokerage certificates. And then um, I think we're looking at Uganda. So and uh, this year, next year, these two until so Q4 Tanzania, Q1 um, Uganda. And then I want to really get this right, help the do what we have to do here. And then I'm going to have another podcast with you. And then we are talking about West, North, South Africa. Absolutely. <laughs> it is a little bit... Uh, Am I doing the right thing? I can't tell you. You know, a lot of people have also told me, Bent, you did a mistake. You should have, you know, how you're doing it is sometimes wrong. So we were mm. very tech focused. So you never heard anything about MTech. We were like quietly building our solution in our offices mm. and didn't go to conferences. I said that, I think at the beginning when we talked about conferencing yeah. Um and people then were saying, Bente, you need to shout louder. You have a good product or an amazing product. You need to be out there shouting. And we were like, ah. So we are not the typical, I don't know how to put that. Everybody's following their road. And I am a little bit going against streams sometimes. And is that going to backfire on us? Maybe. Uh, maybe in Series A, they're going to tell me, oh, you should be in North Africa, rest, and then also have an outlet somewhere in Asia. Then, then I'm going to take my hands up and say I, I did it wrong. But at the end of the day, my striving is it is it to be a sustainable business. And um, yes, playing on the strength of tech and also understand we need to invest. I, I am not arguing that, um, but really also doing what we do and do it right. Again, great, great thing that you're doing. And I honestly think that, yes, um, you know, penetration to East Africa is really an amazing idea because we've had conversation with people in Tanzania and we've realized that the ecosystem there for, you know, InsurTech is still developing, right? And um, having seen what Oko does in Uganda, um, we know that, you know, there's this reception um, over there as well for anything InsurTech. But in terms of the regulators, what has your experience been so far? Like, What role have, have they been playing in aiding the distribution of insurance across this um, climb? I mean, insurance is, is a highly regulated industry, similar to banking. If I'm saying they're playing a big role, that's probably an underestimation. So overall, everybody is looking or is in the midst yeah, of the transformation of financial service as a total. And the insurance industry definitely is not an exemption. Really, like when I look at the, 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 the place of technology and regulation, I really think that the technology part in that transformation process continues to be the main enabler. Yeah, The transformation will not happen without technology and innovation and even more so, uh, like you're previously mentioning, um, with the impact of COVID. So as an industry, the question is, how, how can we, this is where the regulator comes in, can, can one adapt 
in an agile and efficient way and really pulls, like I said before, everybody with them. Yeah. And not push certain players out and walk the journey alone without the regulator, without the other player. That's not going to work. So everybody in the industry, inclusive of the regulator, have to walk the journey together. Technology, innovation, regulation, underwriters, etc. And honestly, how to do that, I don't have that answer. But what I can say from a Kenyan background or from an East African background, regulator have, and I'm thinking they will continue to do so, been very open to technology players and innovation as long as it is within the traditional regulations. And then also as long as we are contributing to building regulations where there are maybe none. Because a lot of things we're doing, there's no regulations yet. Mm -hmm. So the regulator doesn't have a rule yet. So you can do two things as a tech company. You can hide and hope not to be catched, or you can go and say, hey, this is what I want to do. How are we going to do this together? And and I think for us, this has always been this proactive approach and, and also having them opening up to new possibilities has really been like a good approach to really also work closely to the regulator, respect how they are working. And, and really working with them. And lucky enough for now, this has been really forthcoming for all the players. And then also when you're working on new opportunities, and that's maybe a message I got from somebody um, very early along the journey where I clashed with the regulator, not clashed, but where, where we had a misunderstanding, okay. is when you're developing new proposals, ensure to include them early. Yeah, don't come last minute. Like I said, don't hide. And this will then ensure that you're meeting not only current regulations, but also near future regulations. You know, they also know what's in the pipeline. And, and inshallah, then you're okay. We know that you're playing in spaces that we have blue representation of female gender, um, tech, for instance, and then, of course, the insurance industry. So how has that experience been for you and for all the people as well that are looking to be a part of this tech and insurance space? What, what would be your advice? Firstly, um, when you're looking at the insurtech space here in Kenya, it's actually quite female dominated yeah, yeah, from, yeah. The, from the insurtech yeah. space. So, so Gian does an absolutely yeah. amazing job. Amazing. Uh, so I'm not feeling that alone. I'm, I must say, <laughs> yeah, in the insurance, in, in 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 very good company. Yeah. So, um, in the insurance space, that's definitely right. Um, a lot of meetings where I'm the only only female at the table. I honestly don't put too much focus on it, although I am vocal about the fact that there is the underrepresentation, and And there was really an eye-opener. And my, my husband is sometimes telling me, oh, Benty, please don't become an activist. And it has nothing to do with activism. But I think you would never ask that kind of question a man, even when the man would be in a male, in a female-dominated industry. I remember I just had a, not just my baby's getting one year old, but when I, I came back to work really after one or two weeks, and I wasn't judged for that, even by my team. My husband had a meeting one day after birth. I don't think that his meeting partners asked him, so why are you here? You, you get what I'm saying, or why are you going back to work? And that has really opened my eyes for still the inefficiencies and injustice, which is done to women in business, not only in our industries, but in, in women in business as a total. Time will move towards more equality because data basically shows us there's no equality, right? We are paid less. We are having more tasks. We are we are more judged, and this is all data. Yeah, this is not again Bente getting up in the morning, and I think that really this factor of time and initiatives will move the perception gender equality. In the meantime, it is for us to be part of moving that. So speak up when something is not right, but then also manage the fact that you are treating also a little bit the symptoms, right? So make sure as a woman, especially when you're having a family, you're having the support you need to function, put processes in place. And it sounds very unromantic, but have a plan. I, Since I have my daughter, I do not longer have the luxury to just be inefficient. Yeah. And, and I have... And hope he's going to hear that an absolutely adorable husband who is always there and understands that he has to do 50% at home as well to all make this work. Mm. Wow, it's, it's been it's been an interesting conversation uh, so far. And honestly, we, I would like us to go on, but we, we can save all of the other conversations to 
then next you come on, perhaps that time you be a unicorn, right? The first Jotek unicorn out of Africa, right? <laughs> so obviously you just raise some, some funding, right? And the truth is you are some way along that journey uh, compared to a lot of others. For new innovators coming into the space, male, female, what are some like key principles you would advise that they should have as they are building their company with the aim of getting the right partners to fuel their their business? Mm, I think it depends on the stage you are raising. So let me just assume we are talking about what we did in the seat. And I must really say at the beginning, I was very lucky that we as shareholders were, were capable of, of financing the company to a certain point to really not only have an MVP, but also a proof of concept. And this luxury, I'm fully aware not everybody has. So we were able to really push a seed mm. pretty long, which is good. But in broad strokes for a seed, I think it is really important that you have a problem to solve, not just a story to tell. Um, so what is really the problem you're solving? And mm. this will automatically also give you a better picture about the market and the size of the addressable market. Because at the end of the day, as much as stories mm. and, and the vision is important, also investment is, is facts and figures, like I like to say. So what is the problem you're solving? Who's your market? How big is the market? How good do you understand your ecosystem? And not only your immediate ecosystem, but the wider ecosystem. Are you a leader? Mainly in terms of running and building a team. And then also how you're going to deal with money and how you're going to deal with the money coming in. Finally, finally, you know, you've got to have the capability. You've got to bootstrap. I personally believe no business is being built on a boardroom table. It's being built on the ground and it's built with a lot of sleepless nights. And I think when you're feeling the pain, you can also at the end of the day, enjoy the fruits. Yeah, but it, it really needs that because, and it comes a little back, a little bit back to building a team. You can also only pull the team with you. And at the end of the day, your business will only be as good as your team mm. when you are leading by example. And you can't ask your team to go the extra mile if you are as a leader, not willing to go the extra mile. And that's maybe some of the key principles I'm having for myself. And I also saw at that seed round, I think I spoke to probably around 10 investors. So it was probably not that many, but that's also the feedback I am seeing mostly. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure speaking with you about, you know, your journey and how and what you're building at MTech. Uh, we're rooting for you. Definitely. We are passionate about InsurTech and the InsurTech ecosystem. Like we, we mentioned earlier, we have a conference coming up in December and it's really for the InsurTech ecosystem uh, across Africa. How can we discuss, come together, collaborate? foster innovation in order to move move the needle 3% average penetration across Africa. That's that's quite low. What are we doing to move that? So uh, thank you very much. Thank you for what you do. Uh, it's been amazing speaking with you. Uh, we definitely keep in touch because we know this is this is this is going to the moon. Thank you. Thank you so much. We'll for your be time. doing our best. Uh, no, but thank you for having me here today. I really enjoyed the conversation. And yeah, we all can't wait for your conference in December. Hi, and I hope you did enjoy that conversation. Quite interesting one. Do ensure that you continue to listen to our podcast and share as well with your colleagues and friends uh, future episodes and even previous ones on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, on every platform that you get your podcasts. Right. And also don't forget to join the conversation on all of our social media platforms. We might have comments, reviews, as well as questions. Please do share on our LinkedIn page, on our Twitter page, as well as remember to follow us.